They wanted the scripture itself to prove to them what Paul was saying was true. And what's great is that every Bible teacher ought to welcome that. Yeah. Please. I, I remember at the very front of Winky's book, The Nature and Character of God, he has this whole section about how I may be wrong. And all of these Christian legends who who and and their quotes of them saying basically something similar. Like, hey, I'm telling you what I see best right now, but if you see differently than me, please come and show me the scripture. I want to learn. Yeah. I want to be corrected. All right, at 25, your prefrontal cortex is fully formed, allegedly. Or on average, is that, is that kind I of... I don't know. I just know that's what everybody says. It's like your prefrontal cortex is not fully formed until you're 25, apparently. That's what they say. They, yeah. Who is they? Who are they? The people who look at prefrontal cortexes. <laughs> are those scientists? They might call themselves scientists. <laughs> I don't know what they are. But uh, last night we were messing around with this because I, I actually felt like when I turned 25... I like there was some real shift in my life, at least for I think it's the male brain. Yeah. Yeah. I think the female brain allegedly we could be speaking heresy here, you know. No, my but, my wife is way more mature than me. <laughs> way more mature, for sure. Why is it that way? The the Lord must have a purpose for it. You know what I mean? I don't know. I'm grateful. Yeah. <laughs> but but you had a you had a joke. Oh yeah. <laughs> Our friend is, I guess he's about to turn 25 in just a little bit, and he's a bit of a goofball. We were like, oh, we we're like, yeah. it's going to be wonderful on, on his 25th birthday. He's just going to wake up and say, oh, hello, old chap. My prefrontal cortex is finally formed. <laughs> I've joined you in the land of adulthood. <laughs> oh, gosh. And this, this, our friend is Peter, our friend Peter Foster, who is just one of the best people ever. Like, if you have him around, you'll have so much fun. But And who knows, when his prefrontal cortex forms, it'll be even more fun. Okay, so I kind of wanted to cast some vision for our episodes going forward. And, and for Divine Creative in general. Yeah. Uh, what do you mean? <laughs> I mean the audiobooks that, we, oh, yeah. that you've produced. Okay, yeah. First off, announcement. I don't know if we've ever done announcements, so this is new to me. There's nothing. There's never been uh, anything to announce. Well, so here we've we go. never actually talked about this podcast. is produced by Divine Creative Ministries, a five hundred one c three that I am the president of. That I fa- co-founded with my friend Derek Trim and my other friend Cody Wright, and uh, both Michaels, Michael Wyman, who you see right here, and Mike Meduzia who will be joining the show eventually. We're going to add a camera angle and some stuff for Michael. But the whole goal... We're working with Divine Creative. Yeah, the whole goal is to empower creativity and leverage technology to basically mobilize new missionaries to the nations and also just um, encourage biblical literacy and spread the gospel. And so kind of doing this in two ways by helping creative ministers um, step into their giftings more and um, by also just uh, leveraging uh, mass communication platforms and different things like that to spread the gospel message. Now, we're still in the startup phase, but... Very, very much startup. But everything is... The Lord has been just moving things along and get, and having a lot of favor with the opportunities that he's given us. And one of those things is we um, have been using a new AI technology to create audiobooks. And we found this great opportunity to use this new tool that sounds practically like a real person talking and to digitize some books from uh, the public domain. Mm-hmm. And what we are starting with is one of an author that we really love named F.W. Borum. He is a Australian um, 
that moved to England, I believe. Flip it. Oh, other way around. Yeah, he was he was an English guy that moved to Australia. I guess in the, I don't know the dates of his life, but he wrote a lot of these books in like the twenties, thirties. Yeah, but they're very very poetic, and they can be useful for, uh, like as kind of a meditative literature to go out into nature on a walk and kind of observe. He was really good at observing the things around him and seeing the beauty of what God made in those. Yeah. So we actually launched a podcast called FW Borum Podcast, and that's on our Divine Creative app. And Is it anywhere else? It's on Spotify and Apple oh, okay. Podcasts. So you can find it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, um, but it's also on our app that you can download. Divine Creative on the App Store, Google Play. Uh, I think it's on Roku as well and Apple TV and all of those. Wow. Amazon. I don't know what you do with the Amazon one. I think it probably Amazon Fire or something like that. Got it. But that was a commercial, I guess. <laughs> or just an update. Well, or just the, the yeah. um I know I know one of our friends who I don't think he's ever read a Borum before mm-hmm. was first introduced to Frank Borum through the audiobook and was really ministered to and, mm-hmm. and loved it and is waiting for more. So yeah. um if you've never if you've never read Frank Borum or um you do already love Frank Borum, the voice it's a robot, but for for a good chunk of it you'll you'll be fooled like yeah. You know, so it's, yeah, I think, I think the heart is probably more like speed is like, you can have this AI voice read you whole entire books in the blink of an eye. Yeah. So with high level production quality. Now yep. we do take the audio produced by this AI and audio engineer it. So we take the audio and put it into our audio engineering software and tweak and EQ I'd spend a lot of time EQing this thing to make it sound right. And, and it, sounds, it sounds really awesome. Yeah. So um, I actually had to take down the last one because mm. I think I accidentally repeated a section in it. Oh. But I will be basically, hopefully, really soon digitizing all of Luggage of Life and schedule that to release and hopefully uh, many more of his works in the public domain. Um, so yeah, there's that. Uh, so you can check that out on the Divine Creative app or look up FW Born Podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, with that being said, we made it to 10 episodes. We, it's a real milestone. Yeah, yeah, milestone. I think the statistics that I saw, it was like most podcasts are 4 million. And um, there, or no, there's there 4, 4 million, million podcasts. Okay, that's what I thought you meant. And only 70,000 get past 10 episodes. Get two, have just, 10 episodes. You can, can double check it. Well, I just yeah. want to do some quick math. 70,000 divided by 4 million puts you in the top 2% of all podcasts. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. And like to consistently dedicate yourself to something for 10 weeks straight is like, that's pretty hard to, to just do it. And we, we missed this week, so... We did not release on Monday. You'll hear this episode tomorrow on Tuesday. Um, but uh, what we wanted want to do is create like a consistency. But our heart moving forward as things stir around in our lives and change, and the Lord reveals things in our hearts. To we're, we really want to move towards this uh, this exploratory kind of style. I, I think we were already there in, in a lot of ways but to really explore the Bible and to explore these ideas and to uh, deliberate and collaborate a little bit in our understanding and feel comfortable with disagreeing and going back and forth so that everyone listening can kind of get an insight of how we would go about processing through and thinking about certain ideas um, from the Bible and uh, yeah, so you want to you want to say anything to that? I I think the main point of what you're saying is like <laughs> just that we're not always right. Yeah, and and what we do here in real time is is dependent on what I know the Lord has shown me up to this point, and even together in this like fellowship scenario, talking mm. through what the Lord is showing me or has shown me, and so just having room for that to yeah sometimes be 
a whole bunch of different things like shallow or yeah <laughs> or incomplete or just sometimes dead wrong yeah um which i i wanted to address like listening back to the last episode that released um where we talked about revival i i don't remember exactly the timeline i think it was like first this long held thing this thing that i had said for years yeah um I think first the Lord was just like, that's not true. And then I went back and listened to the episode that we produced. And I like, I said that Mm. in that episode and that, and the Lord just showed me that that was dead wrong. I had said for years, this phrase, um, that I thought was spiritual. Yeah. Um, that a Christian takes over wherever they go. And, um, the the part that was tough is that there's kind of layers to peel away mm. where on the one hand I go, I think the reason why that sounded spiritual is because there's some ways in which that is true. Like um a Christian always has a backbone. Yeah. I'm not I'm not gonna get steamrolled by the world. Like I'm gonna stand up for what's right. And and you look at the book of Acts and it's Wherever God has been dealing with people, when the gospel shows up, people run to it, mm. and and the devil and all of hell can't stop a person whose heart is set on God. When when someone wants to get a hold of God, God makes Himself available to them, and no one can stop them. And so, wherever a Christian goes, there is an influence, and people who and like the gospel is powerful, and yeah. people respond to it. And in some sense, it it took over the world as far as being the most popular worldview in a manner of speaking it did take over a section of the world at least you know um in a manner of speaking but i also know well what the lord had revealed when that when he showed me that how that was wrong was like the attitude that saying that over and over produced in me there's all this stuff that's like um i still believe uh Maybe like if if you if your Christianity is not taken over, then it's not actually totally. Legit. Okay. So that's the that's the attitude in me that it produced. So mm. there's this part of it that is like, yeah, I still believe we're supposed to be a thermostat and not a thermometer. I don't just read the room and go back to it. It's like no, God has when God has called me to something, I'm going to stand up for it, and it doesn't matter what the rest of the world does, and and the gospel influences other people. And they want to be a part of it. But the whole bad attitude that it also produced, and that's the peeling away, the bad attitude that it produced was totally like, yeah, if you if you aren't taking over, you're probably a failure as a Christian. If I, when I show up in the room, I probably have the most important thing to say. Mm. And if you're not talking about what I want to talk about, either I'm a failure or you're spiritually mm. dumb. Yeah, you know, like you've spiritually flatlined because you don't want to talk about the cool, heavy revelation that God just showed me, and that's spiritual pride. That's ugly. Yeah, that's, that's really bad. bad ugly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, peeling away some of, um, I've, I've said this several times as as I've worked this out in my own heart, like, uh, a lie has no power. Right, because yeah. you're just like totally. That's that's a lie. I why would I believe that? But a half truth mm. has a lot of power, and the the half of the truth that is a lie has a lot of power to destroy. You like swallow the half that sounds spiritual and you know is half true, but you also swallow the destructive half that is going to do something bad in yeah. your life, and so. Well, is that where that whole pendulum swing comes in? You see that in all different, you know, denominational beliefs, theological beliefs, whether that's pre-trib, post-trib, dispensationalist, Baptist, whatever, like all these different Pentecostalism, you kind of see this pendulum swing where it's like, well, this happened over here, so I'm going to swing all the way over here instead of landing just centered in truth. Sometimes we tend to, why do you think as humans we tend to swing kind of back and forth where it's like, ah, I don't want to touch that. Go over here, you know? Yeah, I... Instead of landing in the middle, because I, I feel like this book always just brings you back to a 
peaceful center. You're just like, oh, okay, this makes so much sense. Let's just read it for what it is. Yeah. And like, and once you really start to learn how to read this book and and understand the different type of literatures that are in it and how this is set up and meant to be consumed and how the the people who originally held these scriptures or read these scriptures and and it was their traditions um understood them then it it really i think it settles a lot of things these yeah. like confusing theological things where when you pick and choose things out and try to build this you know, for whatever motivation you build this other thing than the story of the redemption of mankind. Yeah. It, it gets confusing and, and conflicts occur between different groups that uh, hold to certain sections of it and instead of just seeing it in, in entirety. Yeah. Well, um, I, I got this example from G.K. Chesterton and and, you know, different other people saying similar things in different ways that I kind of, and then taking that, and this is the whole point, taking that to the Bible and going, yeah, what they're saying about the Bible is true. Mm. Um, I can't remember the exact quote, but the, the, the general sense of it is G.K. Chesterton talks about how um, the center, balance is not a Bible word. Balance is like an Eastern word. And usually yeah. when when the East talks about balance, they're talking about neither. You know what I mean? Like uh-huh. it's not a balance between male and female. It's not neither. It's both yeah. fully. Okay. So the the sense of what the G.K. Chesterton quote is that I can't remember right now, basically is that it's a dynamic center. Like if when you study statics, mm. I studied statics in school, and it's like this thing is yanking here, and this thing is yanking here, and this thing is yanking here, and it's holding zero. The net force is zero in the center, but it's because it's being pulled dynamically, not because it's dead, not because it's inert, but because it's being pulled right. in a perfect center. So this, and when you have those strings all connecting, it's like even if you try to pull it a little bit one other way, the other parts that are holding it all together... Yes, play as a protection mechanism for you to go too far in yeah, one absolutely. direction, and that's what I believe the whole story. And whenever you start to see it as a yes. narrative, it begins to do. It holds you into place, so you don't become yeah weird. Well, uh, so there is definitely the Bible as the narrative gets into your heart. It's that thing pulls dynamically and protects you. But even I, I think the most glaring thing. They're the most glaring example in my mind is you read through Paul and Paul says, absolutely not by works, saved by grace, through yeah. faith, not by works. And then you flip a couple pages to James and James says, faith without works is dead. Yeah. You think you got faith and you don't have any works? Yeah. You know, you're yeah. joking yourself. Yeah. And you have these two guys. Like, what? Yeah. You think they're saying opposite things, but they're actually pulling you into a dynamic center. Mm. where things matter because if you go if you always say faith and you but if you always say faith like faith is great you have to say faith because it's there like you have to it's um you are saved by grace through faith not by works you have to have that part but if but without the tug on the other side you go then i never have to respond in my real life you know the thing we've said about be live yeah. Like believe never becomes real in my life. It just becomes mental until James comes in and says, Hey, no, if you can't live like that, but if you only ever say works yeah, and never faith, then it's, then it's also not real. And so both of these guys are tugging you into this dynamic center. And well, I think even like reemphasizing that faith is trust. Yeah. Cause like when I hear faith, I think just because traditionally growing up in church, like I just think of, like yeah. I'm going to lift my hand. I'm, I'm just going to, you know, have faith. But it literally just means I'm counting this person as trustworthy. I'm going to trust his voice. I'm going to trust what he affirms in the scripture. And and that's yeah. where we go back to where it all comes down to the resurrection and Jesus being God. And now, okay, Jesus is Yahweh. I'm going to trust in him. So whatever he affirms and says is is truth. And even jumping into the narrative. Where you, like Hebrews 11, that's what Hebrews 11 is, is painting for you the dynamic center. is like Abraham, by faith, 
did this. You know, Sarah, by faith, did this. Joseph, by faith, did this. And the faith and the work, it's like painting for you through the narratives, the dynamic center that has to be lived out. Yeah. Um, so I think there's coming back to the Bible, or not coming back to the Bible, but like we've talked about before, soaking our minds in the Bible that that can wash us and keep us safe as we think about things biblically. Um, but even, I think the, the real thing in human nature is to say, I don't need you. Yeah. Or God has shown me this. God has pulled me from this side out this way. And anybody that wants to pull you back, you go, you don't know what you're talking about because God showed me this. But the humility for everyone to say, we all need each other, and just to listen and say, we need each other, and then to, to pull each other to the Bible and say, we need each other and we need the Bible. And for us all to gather around the Bible and show each other, it's like, yeah. no, look, James says you do need works. And then somebody else says, no, Paul says you, it's only by grace through faith. Yeah. And Well, and just trusting in the divinity that is is embedded within the scriptures. Like, all we I mentioned this the other day to you, but all of the fruit that's ever come out of me di- discipling someone or intentionally wanting to to be someone's friend and help them learn about what God is like and how to follow Him has been literally from just opening up the Bible and reading it. Mm-hmm. Like there's been times where I try, oh, let's talk about this, let's hang out here, and it's like you're trying your best, and it's like the Lord is just saying, hey, just open up the book of life, the book of truth, and and read it. Yeah. And every time I've done that, it's been like revelation. Because it even talks about that. I can't remember. You you might know um, where it said they, they would they would read in this the public w- way for anyone who could understand. Mm. And then people would be weeping and different things. They would yeah, read the from, scrolls. That's from Ezra, I think. Mm. They, they bring all the people back to the land, and Ezra and these guys who knew their Bible, I think it was like a quarter of the day they read, and then a quarter of the day they exposited, preached, and it was revival. Yeah. Just reading the Old Testament that no one no one had ever actually heard for themselves, or that's the at least the idea that the Scripture is giving yeah. you, that these people had never heard these words. And here's finally you just open up the Word of God and tell people what it's saying to them, yeah. and all this weeping and repenting, and a really beautiful scene from the book of Ezra. So do you want to talk about, uh, or touch on a little bit more about how this, the Lord has been working out this process in your own life of kind of, I don't know, breaking down some of these things. Like you, for example, in the last episode, you're like, you had just said this over and over. And then when you really went back and double checked, you're like, Oh, maybe, but it takes some guts to admit that you're wrong. (laughs) You know? Yeah. It's hard. It is really hard. But it, but it, uh, you know. Well, on the one hand, it's hard. On the one hand, I think it's hard to just start and say, Lord, search me. Yeah. That's hard. Um, I don't know. But when God really searches you, when you open up your heart to it, that part, just to admit that I might be wrong and, and have the Lord see where I am wrong, yeah. that part's hard. The... But then he goes like, this is what you did wrong, and this is the damage that it caused. Mm. When, I, when I get a glimpse of the damage, I'm like, please help me not be this anymore. I, you know, yeah. Once I see the pride, I go, I do not want to be prideful anymore. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So I think that dynamic of that's the hard part is even just opening up, breaking up the fallow ground and letting it be exposed. Yeah. But but once the word of God comes in because the the other part like I pulled I pulled away the um the half truth from the ugly half lie. Mm. And then I was and then I tried I said, "Okay, Lord, what what is the truth? Like what what's the Okay, this is great. I I said, "What is the picture?" that is the real thing, like the half-truth with another half-truth that keeps yeah. it in a dynamic center. And um, the Lord brought me back to stuff he had already showed me. That Remember the episode we did about the Joseph factor? Oh, yeah. About Joseph living as a blessing? 
And and there was parts of that episode where I talked about how the Lord had been showing me in the past mm. not to just jump on people and eat them alive yeah. like a jungle cat. Yeah. That was kind of a strange <laughs> metaphor, but not to eat jungle them alive and, and rip them apart and expose all their sin, but to live as a blessing. And when you bless people, they see like God's heart for them in love. And so I... I think that that the what the Lord showed me was the dynamic center is these people in the narrative is Joseph and Daniel and and I really want to talk about Lot with you. Mm-hmm. I have a I have some thoughts about Lot that are swimming around in my head, but primarily Joseph and Daniel and Jesus who live as blessings. And so I I think what the Lord is bringing me to now is the picture in the dynamic center is not that a Christian takes over where they wherever they go, but a Christian serves and blesses wherever they go. And, and then it's like the scripture flashes in my mind and Jesus says, I am not among you as one who serves. No, I am not among you as one who teaches, but one who serves. I forget Something exactly like what it is. That, yeah. I am not among you as one who Check is your a Bible, you know, <laughs> Jesus says, I am among you as one who serves. Here's the Lord of the universe yeah. among you as one who serves. And I, and again, <laughs> the truth in the dynamic center is alive in these Bible mm. characters, and yeah. So, can we talk about maybe since we announced the F.W. Borum thing? Yeah. Can we talk about maybe how the how should we how ought we to integrate other learning material, whether that's Bible project on YouTube or Bible teachings from sermons that you're listening to or books or whatever way ideas get to you for through whatever means of material even people listening to this podcast yeah and how do you integrate that into your learning because we were talking about the other day like if no one taught me that about the proto-evangelion in genesis 3 yeah there's no way it would take me decades and decades to see that you know that yeah. that was there it's like i could try to relearn everything that these guys learned or I could just, or they could just teach me. Yeah. So, but how do you like integrate that within your own Bible learning and testing it against the scriptures and all of these things yeah. and to, to make sure that, cause a lot of people have a lot of different ideas. And so, and sometimes it's hard to read the, the Bible. And I think that's kind of what we're trying to get at with this episode a little bit is like maybe how to, how do we utilize the scriptures? How ought to we see them to test ideas, attitudes, and thoughts? And and maybe what is the role of other materials in helping us? Because both you and I have benefited quite a bit from the amazing um, array of material that is available on the internet these days. And and even something like Blue Letter Bible that allows you to yeah. go back and break down scripture and really learn. Because we have... Super powerful. We too. don't have to just like... I think tradition is good in, in many ways. But that was like the main thing of understanding for all of time before the, the internet, right? It was like people dis, uh, discipling and teaching people. And now we have these resources to where we can go really test things and under, learn how to understand these ancient scriptures. Yeah. I, well, part of the thing that got me in this mess, in this mess, I mean, like, part of the attitude that even comes before repeating this thing that was wrong is, like, taking something that sounds spiritual and just being like, that sounds spiritual. <laughs> I want to sa- say that so that I sound spiritual. Mm. Or, or even worse, something that sounds spiritual and plays on my pride like one, two punch, you know, and I'm knocked out. So let me see. I would like to see what you think about this. Somebody asked me a similar question. They said, am I listening to this Bible teacher too much? I mean, I'm, I'm reading his books and listening to his sermons. I, I just want to know that I'm not freaking out and listening (laughs) to this Bible teacher too so much. And I, as long as it's Kenneth Copeland, then it's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Totally. That was a joke. This is not an endorsement. That was a joke. Um, yeah, the the heretic police are coming oh, after us. Clip that. Um, 
my advice to him was, if you cannot um, say whether what he's saying, if you don't have enough Bible knowledge to prove or disprove what they're saying, then you probably need to go back to just the Bible. Mm-hmm. And it feels... Yeah, you don't have a good uh, uh, filter yet. Yeah, that's right. I And it feels so slow. But all true learning has to come from the Holy Spirit. So if you think you learned from this spiritual-looking teacher, if you think you learned some heavy revelation about God from this spiritual-ish teacher, but you didn't actually get it from the Holy Spirit from the Scripture, then forget it. You didn't actually learn it. You didn't actually learn nothing. So would a good teacher, or like if you're going to disciple someone and you're going to walk through uh, the Scriptures with a friend, would a good way to do that would just be to open up the Bible and to start reading it together and point out certain things and, hey, this is how I see this, and it's because of this. And I feel like that's where the the you know the verse and the saying of the truth will set you free it's like you can i feel like when it comes to i'm pretty sure this was an old jewish tradition where when they would come to a seeming contradiction in the scripture they would get excited they wouldn't get worried like we do we're like oh crap like what's going on they'd get excited because they knew that if it seemed like there was a contradiction in the scripture that means a revelation was coming and then you would hit bedrock truth. And so there's these these moments, I feel like, when you're reading through the Bible story and you see the patterns and how things fit together, that you almost hit this bedrock truth that then uh, lay, lays a foundation for learning other stuff. So the more that time you spend there, the more all the pieces start to fit together yeah. easier. It definitely forms itself into this matrix where yeah all of the things all of the things that you learn build on each other the way that god is and the way that i respond to god and the way that people are and the way that the spiritual realm works and the way that and everything begins to interlock together um yeah it's beautiful and so i think you <laughs> you have the dynamic center and then one thing is shouting way too loudly to mm-hmm. vie for your attention, that's probably a red flag where you're like, mm. Yeah. And the thing that's hard about that is if everybody around you is shouting that one thing, like you need people that, you need a body. You yeah. need the body to, you know what I mean? The hand, you can't be all hands because then the hand forgets that it needs a foot. And so we need a body. And I even think some, something that we're wrestling with is realizing like we need a church body and then each church body needs the capital C church Yeah, to realize like we love giving money to missions. This other church feeds the homeless. Like quite frankly, we're not doing that. So I'm glad that somebody is. And so every, not, not only does every believer need other believers, but every church needs every other church to always pull you into that dynamic center. Yeah. And that's the thing about Jesus being the head of the church as well. It's Mm -hmm. like the scripture is the ultimate authority. And Mm -hmm. obviously it's like, you're going to have some people around you. That's where I'm like, how do we actually learn in the midst of that, how to trust people? Because if you just like, become a hermit with your bible and never come out of the cl- you know come out of the closet <laughs> never see the light of day yeah never uh, you know interact with people and love people and you know uh you forsake the assembly of believers that's not good either mm-hmm. and a lot of times when you're first coming to know the the lord you need someone to help you walk through the scriptures i know i did and i know i still do yeah um so what what do you think is the the best way that we can balance those two i guess in a non which two uh learning how to rely on each other to help with understanding and or other resources and like getting your own personal revelation and bedrock truth from the scriptures um i think it sounds a little 
it may sound cheesy. I it sh- I, it shouldn't sound cheesy, but it may sound cheesy, but it shouldn't. <laughs> um, the Holy Spirit Himself, uh, Jesus says, "Do not do not call any man teacher. Do not call any man rabbi, because you all have one teacher, and that is Christ." Mm. And so, for anyone, you if you th- learn from someone. If the Holy Spirit didn't teach you that through that person, you didn't actually learn it. You can you can only truly learn or get closer to the Lord from Him Himself. Mm. And and again, there's a dynamic center. There's people that take that and say, then I don't need to listen to anybody. Yeah, and that's for you got you got both. There's the there's the dynamic center. And but, I think that is the reason why emer- uh, emerging yourself into or submerging yourself into the scriptures on a daily basis and meditating on them keeps you in line yeah it like keeps you in center with reality it's good it's like well i can't really move outside of this this worldview that the bible presents it's like yeah i can try but yeah i so the the bereans you remember that part yeah acts yeah it says they listened to Paul and then searched the scriptures to see if what he said was true. So they didn't search the scriptures to argue against him. They searched the scriptures to see if what he said was true. So they learned and they went, wow, that's, if what you're saying is true, that, that really means a lot. But it didn't, it wasn't just sounded spiritual. It wasn't just cool. They said, okay, the Holy Spirit needs to show me. Well, they maybe not have said the Holy Spirit. They were yeah. Jews, but, uh, you know, I think they believed in the Holy Spirit. That's true. They wanted the Scripture itself to prove to them what Paul was saying was true. And what's great is that every Bible teacher ought to welcome that. Yeah. Please. I, I remember at the very front of Winky's book, The Nature and Character of God, he has this whole section about how I may be wrong. And all of these Christian legends who... who and, and their quotes of them saying basically something similar, like, hey, I'm telling you what I see best right now, but if you see differently than me, please come and show me the scripture. I want to learn. Yeah. I want to be corrected. And so even for us right here, right now, like, yeah. please come to us and comment, say... Comment on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> we've had some funny comments. We, and it's, it's well, but we've also got some really wonderful yeah. text messages. Oh, yeah. That said like... I really loved this. I'd like to talk to you about this mm. and really appreciated it. I I would love to dialogue. We need yeah. we need the body. And um so in terms of repentance, repentance isn't only always from something that was sinful necessarily, but like you can repent for bad ideas or like wrong ideas, right? Which would just mean to turn away. So if like like we we got an awesome message from a couple of friends for uh, a correction you put in the description of one episode. You probably remember what it is. I don't remember. Yeah, it was about. I said thousands of people died from the snake, and then I think I was like driving or something, and I was like, "Did did thousands of people die? I don't I don't think I actually remember that from the scripture." And I went and I looked in numbers, and numbers just didn't say. And so the episode was already recorded, but I put in the description a disclaimer that said. Hey, I said this, but the scripture doesn't actually yeah. say that. Yeah, and so I think that's like a daily repentive process that we all ought to go through. It's like, oh, that wasn't as good of an idea, or that wasn't a good attitude, or yeah, I didn't treat this person quite right, and constantly shifting more towards that center, not like shifting away from to one direction. It's like, oh, I'm gonna, you know, but it's shifting towards. Uh, being in line with the uh, the whole yeah. council of scripture, yeah, exactly. Even even right before we walked into the studio, I pulled up, I parked, and I had a conversation with someone who showed me their tattoo, and I I was just like, <laughs> okay. And I have had really bad attitudes about tattoos in oh, the past, yeah. really bad attitudes. And I saw their tattoo, I was just kind of like, hmm. and they were like, yeah. I, I maybe I don't want to misre- misrepresent them, but the f- but the sense that I got was like it was kind of a regret, and they wouldn't suggest anybody else Impulsive. to get a tattoo. Yeah. yeah, and 
And then it like flashed in my mind this way, this friend that I had treated really bad about his tattoo. Uh, and we pulled, I pulled up to the studio, parked right before we walked in, and I sent him a voice message. Hey, really excited for you and for your life. Hope it's going well. I'm so sorry for how I treated you yeah. about that tattoo. That was just messed up. Oh, and that's freedom. Yes. Being able to do that, just a little, like those little things. I think we sometimes look at those little things and we're like, ah, you know, they probably forgot about that or whatever. But you'd be surprised how much those little things really touch people's hearts. And they're like, I'm so thankful that you sent me this message. And it's, you're in, and that's freedom. That's being free from the shackles of whatever. Pride for sure. Free from the shackle of thinking like, I can't humble myself and say sorry for this little thing. Like, no, you you and have to. Plus, you have co- to. Your co-host has a tattoo. <laughs> Take that. I, uh, I I am glad though that I did not uh, pull the trigger on another tattoo that I wanted to get, which oh, yeah. would it would uh, it was like a rose that was going to be on my arm right here that the stem would go down to the palm of my hand. And so, like, every time you'd shake someone's hand, you'd see, so it'd be an instant, you know. <laughs> and I'm, I'm glad I didn't get it, but yeah. I have a yeah, little I have a little cross on my ankle that I, that's actually a testimony because I had I'd paid, prepaid for this one. That was, like, 370 bucks. The rose that you were going to yeah. get, you already paid for it. Yeah, because, well, I paid for a down payment on it because this, this particular artist in Austin was like this thin line. I was like, if I'm gonna get something on my body, it's gonna look pristine. And uh, yeah. yeah, and so that yeah, was some boomty, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some boomty thing. And but when I I spent a couple weeks in the Philippines, and while I was there, my buddy, I've was, never heard this part of your life for real. I never knew that you spent time in the Philippines. Yeah, yeah. My buddy that was there was he was like, I want to get a tattoo, and so I started looking on Pinterest for tattoos, and I'm like, well, I'm getting this one on my right arm so if i want some balance we keep talking about balance but that is a very eastern mysticism kind of thing not necessarily i mean there's a balance the scales but that's a uh it's it's western i mean the greek philosophical idea of prudence mm. was like that is like or or temperance maybe and i mean they both have a similar ring which basically is like um Seems like you can have a... recklessness and cowardice, but the happy center is courage. Uh, you know, and so there's there's yeah, a, yeah. there's a Western. Well, I think, I think there's there there just might be a truth in it too. That's why everybody talks about it. It's true. You know, yeah. Um, there is a truth in it. Yeah, and and other religions just take the truth, some of the truths that they see from reality. That's what it makes it compelling. Truth is right? truth. <laughs> Truth, well, when you see truth, truth is truth. Well, that's what makes some other worldviews compelling because, like you said, yeah. takes some truth and just twists it a little bit. It's wrong. It is it wrong to bit. be selfish. Yeah. And communism says that, and Buddhism says that, and Islam says that, and Confucianism says that. It's wrong to be selfish. Everybody yeah. says that. Yeah. That's true. Anybody with two eyes can see that. But I feel like anybody with two eyes can see that a tree is something supernatural. Yeah. And you're like, what the, how does that even come about? Like, if you spend enough time looking at a tree. Anyway, I have a cross on my ankle. That's right. Back to your. That I got in the Philippines. And while I was there, it just literally bothered me so much. Because this was like the first and only tattoo I've ever gotten. And I would like go to bed and it would be like imprinted the cross. And like, you know, when you like close your eyes and you see the the light, you know, you see the, the remaining light. It was like just the the cross on my ankle like and i just like could not get it out of my head and so i had to like really pray and seek the lord and it like came down to like this is the only marking that you need on your body is the cross because the the rose is going to represent um someone in my family who had passed away and it was and he just clearly spoke to me that the only like death that you need to be constantly reminded of is is mine wow and that's what caused me to like i was like i don't care about the down payment or anything and wow. so i didn't get it um yeah and i'm very happy about that so i think to highlight what we've been talking about in that took a lot of humility for you to be corrected and and really yeah. i mean four hundred dollars in the grand scheme of things I mean, you're not missing that $400 right now. No. But 
$400 maybe in that moment seemed like, oh, come on, I already put down yeah. $400. And so the humility to go through, like, the Lord has told me this, and Well, that's I the know. thing. At the time, it always feels bigger than what it actually is because you're so close to it. Like, the, the proximity, it makes something enlarge, but once you, like, are down the path of your life a little further, it's like, why was I that worried and upset about that one thing Hmm. and i thought it was such a big deal and i could have just turned away from it and walked this way and seen that it was just part of what god was trying to work out in my heart and life so that i could be blameless before him on the day of the lord yeah if i would just heed that the the words in the scripture and turn from ideas and attitudes that I have and be centered in, in what he is saying, I realize that that little bit of cash wasted is it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. If I have the creator of the universe on my side, it's like he's going to, and he's my father. You know, I uh, heard a, a friend recently uh, uh, that I've been spending a lot of time with lately. Uh, when he was praying, he would say, father 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 and for some reason i've never said that i always say lord and jesus taught us and i was thinking about how he prayed i was like man i want to pray like that and i started to say father and the scripture says jesus's instructions are to pray our father yeah so well there's something tender about it it's like you have to really get over any experience you had with your earthly father to say that it's like father father yeah. god and yeah anyway i i think on the flip side the thing that seemed like such a big deal like the 400 dollars maybe that you paid yeah, yeah. down seemed like such a big deal at the moment maybe but in the past it doesn't but then you think about one more than a mistake. Yeah. But one mistaken night, Abraham with Hagar oh. produces big deal. generations of conflict. Yeah. Or one stupid night with Bathsheba produces generations of conflict. So yeah, yeah. I think there's there's both. One, you look in the past the thing you left behind or the cost that you paid to leave it behind and you think that was nothing. But in the moment, the Lord sees not what you've done, but what you've done is going to grow into, uh, and it and that is a big deal. The past, that's why he's trying to cut it off. The past is maybe not so big a deal, and when you look at the past that's finished now, you kind of say, "Oh, thank God that you saved me from that past." But even more than that, He saved you from the future He saw coming. Mm where you were headed if you'd never dealt with that thing. And so there, at that crossroads, when I'm telling you right now, leave this behind, it's a huge deal for all the future that's at stake. And I think about the same thing. I had, I was, I was having a conversation over lunch just before we came, and I, I was telling this guy about that thing, Christian takes over world yeah. ago, or, or some of the other things that I had been saying that were just not true. And, and he's... Um, just had his first year in ministry, and I think I've just completed my fourth. And he, which means you're better than him. No, I'm well, which means, which joking. means, I go. You may have heard that kind of stuff yeah. and thought it sounded spiritual, but I've had three years of hearing, like, that. He, well, living it out and being oh. jacked up by it. Yeah, yeah. So you, like, now you have the opportunity to say, "Man, that that's wrong." I'm I'm glad I don't have to become that. Yeah, yeah. But there's like me who have been hearing that, or who have not even been hearing it, I got to take responsibility, been saying that for this long, and got to go, that's on me. Like, I I have been living that way for so long. And so that, the future, the not just how you received it when you first received it, but where that brought me, and the ways that I treated people, yeah. and the kinds of relationships that I had, all from that time, or from that one little seed of something that was half true. What's that this? proverb that uh, is like, the man who is wise in his own eyes is worse than the fool? 
I think it's something like that. Yeah. That's that's pretty dang scary. That's pretty scary. Because how easy, like, when you're good at something, like, when it comes to, well, when it comes to, you know, media stuff, like, I'm fairly good at it. Um, especially when you compare it to people who haven't spent a lot of time in with those fields, video editing, oh, photography, have a good eye for the arts in, in media. But then when I get over here next to professionals, it's like, okay, I suck at videography. And so it's, <clears throat> I think it's just like really determines what group you're around. But if you start because you're comparing yourself to this group of people, get wise in your own eyes and like, hey, I am the best filmmaker. And then someone, you know, James Cameron or something comes over and is like, you know, uh, I saw Avatar buddy. 2. I don't know about. Oh, yeah. Dude, well, I walked out on that movie. I've learned, okay, just a little tip from Bailey. Write that down. Don't be afraid to walk out of a movie. Yeah, I need to learn that. I'm serious. Like, some people are like, I already paid the $15. And it's like, yeah, you already paid the $15. You don't have to waste your life now. (laughs) You already paid it. It's said and done. You're not getting that money back. Now you can choose if you want to sit through this horrible movie or if you want to get up and spend your time doing something else. Yeah, Bronwyn and I definitely practice that at home. It's like, it's like, this is violent. This is too spiritually disturbing. I yeah. yeah, we definitely practice that at home. I don't know that I've ever walked out of a movie. Really? There were movies I've I should have walked out of. I've walked out of a lot of movies. There were movies I should have walked out of. There are movies that I've shut off at home. Yeah. But I, yeah. Um, okay, you want to know something else? That's the, the stubbornness, though, of like paying money. It's like, oh. You want to know something else I got wrong? And I okay. think this, this would be a good place to end. Um, I have said, this, I don't think this is exactly wrong. It was a question that I would, that I have raised hmm. and thought I had the answer. And then the Lord just led me to a Bible verse. And I was like, that's the answer. Yeah. And okay, you, I, I don't know how much you heard, but at, at one of our classes, uh, I, I mentioned, how does a fool become wise? Did you hear any of this? No. Um, I, so I remember one time reading through the Proverbs and, and questioning myself, wait, a wise person receives rebuke and gets wiser. Yeah. A foolish person never receives rebuke and scoffs and gets more foolish. So if you can't rebuke or correct a foolish person to make them wise, how does a fool become wise? Hmm. Wise people get wiser. Foolish people get more foolish. How How can you become wise mm. and i have given answers in the past which i <laughs> i don't think they're wrong i don't know i'm we'll figure that out in the yeah. future <laughs> but i was reading through the proverbs just just recently this past week and and there it was the fear of the lord is the, the beginning, beginning of, of wisdom, wisdom. And, I, and it felt like the Holy Spirit hit me right between the Thank eyes. Jesus. And I said, that's how a fool becomes wise, is yeah. you well, begin to fear the Lord. And that's why I think I'll forever emphasize the day of the Lord. Because there's just something when you set your eyes and you set your mind on this coming day, this glorious and terrible day, this day where everything will be made right, and and true justice will come upon all of creation and all of the world and all of humanity. That's sobering. Yeah. Because you're like, man. Put the fear of God in you. Yeah. Well, that's if, if you really believe the Bible, that's what matters. Because this is but a short time in comparison. Like the, I forget what it's called, but... It's the exponents kind of thing where uh, this life actually, in comparison to eternity, gets exponentially smaller and less relevant. Oh, in some yeah. sense, like uh, as far as time goes. What do you call that? Convergence? I don't know. Like converges on zero. Yeah. It's just. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, if that is the reality that we're looking forward to, then there's an infinitely greater significance with making sure that that I'm a part of that yeah. versus this, mm-hmm. you know? So, and that's why I think that's what uh, centers you in this uh, ability to even die on behalf of 
your belief in God as a witness and mm-hmm. a testimony to the world of the validity that Jesus is Lord, uh, because you know there's a far greater um, future. It's like for yeah. the Jesus, for the uh, for the joy that was set before Him, or even do not fear those who can only put to, bo- to death the body. Mm. Fear the one who can put to <laughs> yes, and then throw your soul in hell. Yeah, like that'll keep you in line. That'll keep- <laughs> the fear of the Lord will keep you in line. And I, and I think to to conclude everywhere we've been in this episode is the fear of the Lord makes me grab a hold of my Bible yeah, and go, yeah, I, I do not want to have any wrong ideas in my head. Yeah. I have got to get a hold of my Bible. I, I am too afraid of God and where my life might be headed. If I've got anything wrong or unclean left in me, I have got to, got to, got to get a hold of my Bible uh-huh. because I fear the Lord. I fear my future without him, not because he's going to punish me, but my future, where I'm headed in my heart without him is a really terrible place. And he's trying to save me from that, to remember that he's the saving God. When he came to earth, when God came to earth, he gave himself a name, and his name was Yahweh Saves. Mm. And that forever, he is trying to remind people, that's what I do. I am trying to I am trying to rescue you. I am your friend. And the fear of the Lord is seeing is just treating that if he's trying to save me from something, that means where I'm headed is probably really bad. He's trying to reach in and and keep me from going keep me from going that way. That means that wherever I was going must be really dangerous. Yeah. And he cares about me too much to let me go that way. And to fear him just means not only to fear him but to fear where he sees, if he's taking this seriously and says, hey, if you do that, I'm going to spank you. Yeah. You go, okay. And I think he's not only worried about you, he's he's trying to preserve the testimony that yeah. you will be a witness of. And you see this, like, I'm, I mean, Israel is such a good example. I mean, it is the example. That's why they put God's, it in the book. <laughs> God's dealing. Well, not just put it in the book. That's why he chose them. <laughs> That's why he like decided, hey, I'm in, I'm going to manifest my uh, revelation, the truth of reality through a family, mm-hmm. and and that's what a he screwed up to do. family, nonetheless. Yeah. And you see, time and time again, he used even the Babylonians to refine and preserve a remnant of Israel, even though there was people around them that were wicked. He used that because of what was at stake. All of humanity, yeah. the rest of humanity, the rest of the nations were at stake if that testimony wasn't preserved. And even more than that, when it got to that point, like by the time you go through all the prophets and by the time you get to Jeremiah, when it got to that point, he said, this isn't about you anymore. This is about my name. You're not going to act like this. Yeah. Like you have my name on you. And if you're going to act like this, like this is not about you anymore. This is about my name. And this is this is going to come to an end because of what you have done to what people think about me, and mm. and that and that is the episode on revival that we just did mm. is when God says that's it, I'm not putting my name on this anymore. It's done, mm. and he he either takes you out or takes you pulls you back up, <laughs> depending on how you want to respond. And so the fear of the Lord, I see, I know that. He's he's not going to let me get a, away with wrong for long for my sake, for other people's sake, for his name's sake. And, and in that fear, I get a hold of his Bible and I say, please, God, would you teach me? I need, I need to humble myself and get, and get a hold of your word and, and get it inside of my heart or else I'm in big trouble. Yeah. We're in big trouble. Your, your gospel message, your gospel mission is in big trouble. I need to get a hold of your book. Yeah. And that's what... It's it's sounds dumb to say that's what I'm trying to do. It should have been what I was always trying to do, but yeah. that's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, you want to pray for us? Yeah. Lord, we thank you. You did not have to speak to us, but you did. You gave us your book. And Lord, would it be a treasure on each one of our shelves, even if we haven't dusted it off in a while, God, we, we look at it now and and out of fear and gratefulness, to you, we, we choose to, 
to pick it up and treasure our Bibles, treasure your word and where you're trying to take us. Call us up higher and what you're trying to save us from. We thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen.